just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope you're having a good week. Uh, my wife and I spent some time out of town. and We had a good time. We were down in Vegas. It's very hot. Uh, but it's a nice breakaway from the Midwest where it was kind of cooler when we left. Now that we come back, it's going to be 80s, 90s. So we'll be well acclimated to that hot weather. But it's always interesting when you go stay with other people. I normally don't like to do that. If I go out of town and I have friends or family that live there, I still want to get my own hotel. I want to get my own car. And I want to be able to have some flexibility, some freedom to do things I want to do when I'm out of town. Now, in this situation, we ended up staying with these friends, which is fine. You had our own bedroom, had our own bathroom. It was cool. It was cool. But I went to try to rent a car so that I could have some autonomy (laughs) from everybody else. My wife and I have some autonomy from having to do everything that they wanted to do. Well, unfortunately, there is a uh, rental car crisis. There aren't any. And it's largely due to the fact that many of these rental companies ended up selling off their cars to stay alive during the COVID problems. And now there's apparently a difficult time getting the chips you need in order to run these cars from China. So it's very difficult to get a car. And if you do get a car, uh, I saw the cheapest one being $168 a day. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'll take a freaking bus. I'm not paying $168 a day for a subcompact car. Now, if this continues, maybe that'll change things for my wife and I. We want to travel, but if we're flying someplace and we don't know somebody and it's not uh, a place like New York or Chicago or Boston or something like that that has a lot of good uh, public transportation, we'll have to look at maybe making a road trip instead because I'm just not renting cars for that much money. So anyway, we uh, spend a few days with our friends, and it went very nicely. We had fun. Uh, We have different likes and dislikes. We have different energy levels. These folks like to stay in more. My wife and I like to get out. So it was a little little bit slower than I would have expected. But, you know, everybody has their own situations, their own energy, and their own interest. And we have to you know, appreciate that and respect that. And we did, and they did, and we balanced out quite nicely. We gambled a little, we had dinner, and uh, it was fun. It was a nice (laughs) old people getaway. It wasn't crazy and wild. It never was going to be, but I like to get out there and do things. Now, the interesting thing over these past four years with the Donald Trump era, the racism and all this stuff coming to the top, bubbling to the top, We're finding out a lot about people that we never even thought about before. I mean, for decades, for years, for whatever. I had a lot of friends, and we would never talk politics, ever. That was not an issue. It was kind of a throwaway item. You know, when you're 18 years old and you're drinking with your buddies, you're not talking politics. When you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, even your 50s, you're not really talking about politics with people that you hung out with since your teens. 
But then all of a sudden you get Donald Trump and the Republicans coming in and it gets very divisive. Now people have their own ideas and there gets to be a problem. And we've talked about this before, how people have lost friends and family because of this situation. Now, a lot of times now when I meet friends and family, not so much family, I know where the bad ones are in the family and there's only one or two. But with friends, it's a different deal because you don't see them all the time. You don't really know what they're thinking or what they're going through. And sometimes nowadays when you meet up with friends, you're not sure because you're really still not talking about politics, but just the things that are said. You see, the problem with Republicans and Trumplicans specifically, they can't help themselves. They got to do something, say something to shove something in your face about how they're right and you're wrong. Now, they have to be creative on their side if they're trying to keep it low key. And that's difficult because these folks generally aren't bright enough to be creative. But they'll say things from time to time. And to be perfectly honest with you, and I'm in a situation with friends or family or anything, I will avoid talking about politics altogether because it's really not a factor. I don't need to talk politics with my family because I love my family and I've known them since they were born. And the same goes for friends. I've known them for decades. Politics has never been an issue. It should not be an issue now. But when you get people on the right, they like to push the issue a little bit. And I run into friends that like to push it to the limit. They can't help themselves. They'll make a reference that seems a little bit racist. They'll make a reference that seems a little bit too Trumplican. They won't admit to it. They won't own up to it. But they'll just skirt that line. And even when they do that, I pretty much ignore it because it's not worth getting in that debate with those people at that time. There's no money in it. I mean, you have to live with these people. These are your friends. They've been your friends for decades. Why ruin it on some stupid little argument about politics? In the scheme of things, in our lives, in our relationships, it really should be a minuscule thing that enters into whatever relationship you have. And the problem isn't typically Democrats. The problem is the people who feel like they're the tough guys, and now they're being now they feel like they're being bullied because that's what tough guys do. They claim to be victims, and now they feel like they have to strike out and fight. So I talk to these people that are just skirting the line, not owning up to being uh, Trumplicans or racist or any of those things, but they say things, and I'll hold back until. A statement is made that is particularly inflammatory, absolutely wrong, a lie, ridiculous. I can't help myself in that situation. Now, I won't get angry if they'll say something. Well, I talked about it before in an argument I had with my, uh, my brother-in-law. He was talking about the tyranny of governors, how they're shutting down all the, all the things because of COVID and uh, their tyrants and all that sort of thing. And I simply responded. I said, well, the fact of the matter is, had the president handled this properly in the first place, we wouldn't be in this position now. Now, that's an absolutely true statement. And I said it no more differently than I'm saying it here. But that inflamed those people. And they get hyped up and they get mad. You see, the problem with Republicans and Trumplicans, they can't debate anything. 
because they can't deal with a contrary comment or idea without getting angry. See, if a Republican comes up to me and says something, and I say something back, and he says something to me, I'm not mad at this guy for thinking this. I don't care what he thinks. What he thinks really has no bearing on me. I don't feel any need to contradict him or her. That's why people always say, why do you always block all the Republicans on, the, uh, uh, on TikTok? Don't you want, aren't those the people you want to learn what you have to say? Well, you have to understand, no matter what I say, no matter how articulate or fact-based I'm talking, they aren't going to buy it. They aren't going to believe it. So why waste your time? What I do when I'm on TikTok or here on podcast isn't to switch Republicans to my way of thinking. That's not a possible thing to do. So why bother? What I'm doing is two things. I'm taking the opportunity to express my First Amendment right and speak out about those things I believe in. I think Americans should do that. And if more people did that, we'd have a much clearer situation in this country. Now, it's happening more with all this divisiveness. But what it turns out to be is an argument. And the arguments settle nothing. Because neither side is going to give an answer. And it's just going to be a constant conflict. So you can't get anything done when you do that. So I'm talking to a guy, and we're talking about policy issues. It comes up. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm not a Democrat, even though Republicans think I am, because I speak out against Trump and Trumplicans. That's not about speaking against Republicans as we knew them. That's speaking out about racist and people trying to undermine our democracy. Yes, I'm speaking out about that. And just because the other party doesn't realize it or believes in it, even though they do realize it, doesn't matter. I will speak out against it. But I won't get mad and angry because I don't care enough about those people to get mad or angry. But for whatever reason, they feel threatened, and they get mad that you have the audacity to think differently than they do, and they want to fight. Well, because I'm not a bleeding-heart liberal or a Democrat that's very passive like a lot of them are, I'll fight with you if you want to fight. If you push me, if you take a swing at me, I'll fight with you. And you know what? I'm not going to have a problem. Because most of the people that I talk to that are Trumplicans aren't very bright, aren't very articulate, aren't fact-based. Their only strategy is to talk louder and longer than you. Well, I have the ability to talk loud and longer, too. So now what do you do? You can't argue with me because the one strategy you have doesn't work. Plus, you don't know what you're talking about. Plus, you have no facts on based on what you're talking about. So I get in these situations where we're just kind of skirting the issue of racism. You know, a comment will be made about black people or Asian people or whatever. And it gets frustrating to me because I do have a problem with people who are racist. I have a really big problem with racism. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I've done a lot of investigations and a lot of studying about uh, history and especially when it comes to people of color. I grew up in the 60s, so I saw all the civil rights problems, the riots, the protest, the poor treatment of people of color. And it really has bothered me. 
And the reason it bothers me is because um, as a young as a young boy, I had a father that was kind of like Trump and very intimidating and bullying. So as I grew up, instead of being timid and afraid of people, I became very angry with bullies. I do not like bullies. If I see a bully, whether he's trying to bully me or somebody else, I can't help myself. I have to get involved in that situation to shut down the bully. There was a time when I was at work. Now, where I worked doing traffic reporting, I had uh, a lot of student workers come through the the setting there. It was a government setting, so a lot of student workers came in there and worked there. And a lot of times these student workers would end up being actual workers, and then at some point later on they'd become actual bosses. So one day I'm walking through, and I didn't really work for the government agency. I was a subcontractor, but everybody in the place knew me and liked me because of what I did and how I did it and all of that. So I had a little, little, I don't know, credibility walking through this place. I'd spent more time in this place than almost anybody who currently worked there. And I saw this one supervisor just dressing down a student worker for doing something. And, uh, <laughs> and and it bothered me because I saw this supervisor bullying this guy and taking him to task for something that really, first of all, wasn't important, and second of all, wasn't really a problem. It was just a different way of doing things, and the way he was doing it was actually working. I knew I was sitting near him, and having had a lot of experience in this room, I knew what was bad and what was good. And I always had a tendency to do things a little different than everybody else. They'd kick back, I'd kick back, and then it would be over and I'd continue doing what I was doing. Because it wasn't a matter of what was most effective or most efficient. It was a matter of authority and what people wanted to control. And I always kicked back at that. They, there were some people didn't like me for that, but I don't give a shit. So anyway, I watched this guy dressing down this kid. And the kid's standing there with his head down, and the supervisor's about wrapping it up. So I walk up to the kid. I put my arm around him. I said, look, kid, don't worry about it. I know you're worried because your boss just yelled at it, and the boss is still standing there. I said, but you know what? I was here when your boss was a student worker. And I can count on two hands how many times he fucked up and got in trouble. So relish in the fact that you got in trouble here now. But you could still end up being somebody's boss because he did it. Oh, man, was that kid, was that supervisor pissed off at me? Because I questioned his authority. Well, yes, I questioned his authority when he misused his authority. When he was trying to bully and put somebody down and try to hold somebody down. That, had, that gave me a problem. So when I see bullies like Republicans or Trumplicans, it's hard for me not to engage because I perceive them as bullies. And when these people start getting angry because I have the audacity to think differently than they do, well, then it becomes a bit of a tussle. And again, because I'm not the shrinking violet, they have a problem because I'll talk louder than you. I'll talk longer than you. And you know what? As as arrogant as this sounds, I don't mean it to be. I will talk a lot better than you because I know what the fuck I'm talking about. And I don't talk about it if I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. 
So you get in these situations with friends and family that are just on the edge. They won't admit they're a Trump fan, but they do kind of talk like it. And it's a tough situation. It's a sad situation, really, because these are people you spent many years with that you've been friends with, you drank with, you partied with, you've done whatever you've done with them. But now it's a little edgy. Now it's a little uncomfortable. Not because we have difference of opinions, but the people on the Republican or Trumplican side can't help themselves but try to push it on you. For whatever reason, they have some animosity because you think differently. And that's where the problem lies. I mean, the thing you have to understand is, in this country, because of the last four years, because of Donald Trump, and because of how Trumplicans act and how they take umbrage over people who think differently than them, we're almost in a war. Now, people will say, oh, you're crazy, you're overstating it, but let me, let me explain what I'm saying. When we were in World War II, why did we go into World War II? Well, it started out with Japan bombing Pearl Harbor, of course, but then you've got Hitler, who is killing six million Jews, Jews, trying to take over the world country by country. This guy and the Japanese were a threat to our way of life, to our democracy. So, of course, we send people over to fight these people, to stop them, because we don't want them to infringe what they do on us as Americans. We don't want them to destroy our government and destroy democracy. Makes sense. World War II, you had people begging to get enlisted, trying to find ways to get uh, uh, volunteer for, for the armed services. Now, Vietnam was a different situation, of course. But why were we there? You had North Vietnam, you had South Vietnam. North Vietnam was communist. They wanted to take over South Vietnam. We as a country saw it as a threat against us and other people. Communism was going to be inflicted on South Vietnam, and then it was going to spread far and wide. So we sent troops over there to shut down the communists so that it wouldn't spread and ultimately affect us and all other democracies. We wanted to protect our democracy. Makes sense. But it didn't go very well because we couldn't win that war. It ended up being an unjust war and an unimportant war for us to be in because in spite of the fact that they might have taken over South Vietnam, it really didn't cause us a direct risk. But we sent people over there to fight, and we should respect those people who put their lives on the line, whether it was a just war or not. They fought for this country. They followed orders. They did what the president told them to do. And they deserve all the respect in the world for doing that. So now, if we continue to fight wars to protect our democracy, to protect our way of life and our government, doesn't it stand to reason that now, within our own country, when we have people who are blatantly racist, people that are blatantly trying to undermine democracy and undermine this government, tell us elections are frauds, there was uh, the big lie that Joe Biden didn't win and Donald Trump actually did win when we know that's 
not true. And then trying to send in all these ridiculous teams, trying to audit all these things, thinking that they're going to overturn this election. I can't believe they don't know that they've all been certified, and no matter what they do or no matter how they make it look, they can't overturn the election. Joe Biden is president for at least the next four years. No matter what Donald Trump says or does, it's not going to change. Now, in spite of that, we've got, we've got uh, Donald Trump sitting wherever he's sitting now, I think it's New Jersey, saying, oh yeah, I'm going to be reinstated in August. Now, he doesn't know shit from shit. He has no plan. He has no strategy. He's just lazy. All he does is see what he sees on TV and repeats it. He's done it for five years. Whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter, as long as it accommodates his agenda. That's what he does. He's like a child. You know, child watches wrestling, sees that his favorite guy won. Now he's champion of the world. Well, not really champion of the world, champion of that organization, but... You see what I mean? They're so influenced by what they see on TV or the lies as long as they accommodate his agenda. So now he's hearing about all these conspiracy theories, how he's coming back in August, and he believes it because he wants to believe it because it benefits him. He has no idea how that's going to happen. He apparently has no idea that it can't happen under any circumstance. Then we get somebody like like, uh, Michael Flynn. Former former National Security Advisor, who ultimately got uh, convicted of a felony dealing with the Russians, and then he was pardoned by Donald Trump, but he was a former National Security Advisor. He's at some convention for Q-freaks, and somebody says, why why can't what happened in Myanmar, I don't know, I mispronounced it. I called it Minamore, and somebody says, I said it wrong. Who gives a shit? I don't know anything about the country. I don't care. But what happened there was a violent coup. And this gentleman stood up and asked uh, Michael Flynn why that couldn't happen here. Michael Flynn answered, I could, or it could, and it probably should. Now, here's a former national security advisor saying that it could be a, there could be a violent coup here, there should be a violent coup here, and uh, that's troubling in spite of whoever he said it to. He was a man that had some power. He has the ear of Donald Trump, who still has whatever power in the Republican Party. That's a serious thing. Now he's trying to walk it back. Well, I didn't really say that. Well, dumb shit, it's on video. So, yeah, you did say it. Well, I didn't really mean that. He said it on videotape. It's clear enough for anybody to see. He can try to walk it back and say, no, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. But you did say it. You said it specifically like that. And let's look at the facts. You're a convicted felon from dealing with Russia. You were pardoned, but you were a felon and continue to be a felon. I know a lot of people think that when you're pardoned, that felony gets wiped away. It does not. It's still on his record. He is still a felon. He got pardoned for that offense, but he's still a convicted felon. We know that you had some interaction with insurrectionists. We know that you're trying to do whatever you can to overturn an election. You can't. You can do all the audits you want. You can say whatever you want. But the election was certified. Joe Biden is president. He'll be president for four more years, whether you like it or not. But you keep spewing this stuff. And Donald Trump, 
because he has a brain in his head, just listens to what people like Michael Flynn say. So he thinks he's going to be put back in August as president of the United States. Not going to happen. I don't care what anybody says. I will argue this point with anybody. It is not going to happen. So when you look at that, you look at this country as it stands now. We have Democrats. We have Republicans. Now, we have some good Republicans and we have some Trumplicans. And that's a problem. But unfortunately, the Republicans have decided that they are going to make a departure from what they were normally prior to Donald Trump, and they are going to go all in with Donald Trump, which means the Republican Party is siding with insurrection, trying to change our election, trying to instill voter suppression, and for all intents and purposes, they are undermining democracy our government, our way of life. So when you look at a war like World War II or even Vietnam or 9-11, these were all people trying to create chaos, try to damage and, and endanger democracy, our government, and our way of life. But now instead of them being across the ocean, they are in this country. And not only are they in this country, But they hold some power. These Republicans, and they'll say, ah, we're the good Republicans. Doesn't matter. Your whole party decided to side with the insurrectionists and such. So now this party is not only in this country, not only very large, but also currently in power in some situations, in Congress, in judgeships, in state and local government. To me, this is far more dangerous than what we saw in World War II and and 9-11 and Vietnam and so forth. Not that they weren't. They were crucial, and 9-11 was an American tragedy. But we didn't end up holding the people responsible that actually did it. So what did we accomplish there? It happened. We punished the wrong people. We lied about it just to start a war. And we gain nothing. Those people still exist. Those people still are a danger to this country. But we have a bigger issue now because these people are in this country. And we are at risk every day. It's not just about the little Trumplican yelling at somebody like me, Trump won, Trump 2024. It's bigger than that. I mean, it's really a lot bigger than that. If we don't somehow tamp that down, get them out of power, and get them out of the way, we are constantly in danger. And we have to address that. And we have to fight against it. Now, I'm not suggesting fighting in the streets, guns, bombs, and all that sort of thing, but we've got to be more aggressive about it. You know, I'm hearing Joe Biden say, well, I want it to be bipartisan. Well, they fucking told you they're not going to be bipartisan under any circumstance you got to stop that. Stop wasting time. That's part of their strategy. They keep saying, well, maybe we'll be bipartisan, and then won't. All they're doing is stalling for time. And time is important in this situation. They think they can stall you till 2022, and they think they're going to win the House or maybe even the Senate. I don't think they are, but 
that's all they've got at this point. So they're hoping against hope that they can stall like they did Obama with with Judge Merrick Garland. They voted against even voting on putting Merrick Garland on the Supreme Court. They knew that there might be some kickback. They knew that they may ultimately lose this fight. But they knew they were short on time with Obama being president. He couldn't be reelected. So they were just going to delay. And that's what Republicans and Donald Trump does. We saw it all four years. We saw in those four years when we said, we want your taxes. We've got the Mueller report. All they did is send it to court, send it to court, send it to court to delay it. And hopefully delay it so long that it goes away. In a lot of cases, it did. And that's what they're trying to do here. So if that's their strategy to delay, you're not going to get a bipartisan get-together here. It's just not going to happen, so you can't do it. But we can't continue to allow these people to damage this country. So as far as I'm concerned, we are in a war now. We are maybe in one of the most serious wars we have ever had, putting our democracy and our way of life and government at risk. So now is not the time to compromise. Now is not the time to try to work with these people. They admit they don't want to work with us. We know they're trying to damage this country, change things in their favor. So we got to fight. And that fight includes everything from voting these people out of office, speaking up and speaking loud constantly. Because if we can't get them with with normal war tactics, and that's not feasible, and that's not even a good idea. No one would suggest that. But we got to get them with attrition. Meaning, the Republican Party and the Trumplicans, their support is waning right now. It's falling off. Not very fast, but it is falling off. We keep exposing. We keep pushing this in the news. We keep talking about it. And everybody keeps talking about it. Eventually, they fade away because that's what bullies do. Once they get to a point where they're cornered, they end up running away when they can't do anymore. The bullshit doesn't work. The bullying doesn't work. Then they bolt. They're out of there. And that doesn't fix the situation, but it's the next logical step in trying to get our country back. We get them on the run, and then we don't let up. We do what we can do to do away with any power base that they might have. Donald Trump allowed them a base because they had a man in the presidential office and they had a small base and it spread because of misinformation and lies and bullshit. We allowed that to happen the last four years and now we've got to fix it. And we can't fix it by being their buddies or cooperating or negotiating with these people. These people aren't into cooperating with us, and they aren't in a situation where they want to negotiate. They want what they want now, and they're going to bully you until they get it. So the only way to stop a bully is slap them in the face and push them down. And that's what we got to do here. And it's not about politics anymore. It's about our way of life. It's about our kids and our grandkids. So we are in the middle of a war right now. 
No one's going to send you overseas. Nobody's going to give you a gun or bombs or anything like that. But you still have to be strong. You still have to stand up. You still have to push back. Otherwise, they're going to keep going like they're going. They may never win, but we can't continue with the ridiculousness and the chaos and the divisiveness. We see it in our family and friends, and we need that to stop. So the bottom line here is what I'm saying is, is we have to look at this in the proper perspective. This is a war, not a traditional war, hopefully not a violent war. But we don't even know that because we know that Donald Trump and Michael Flynn and all these Trumplicans buzzing on social media are talking about a coup, are talking about insurrection. And we can't help but take it seriously because we've seen what we've seen. It is a danger. So we can't talk it out with these people. We've got to somehow shut them down. Like on July 4th, we need a strong presence at the U.S. Capitol. In this day, whatever day it is in August, when there's supposed to be some kind of transition of power, we need a strong presence. And we don't need people just opening doors and letting them into the U.S. Capitol and allowing them to beat the hell out of police officers. There needs to be a strong impact. They talk about Ashley Babbitt when she got shot and they're trying to make her a hero. Well, she stormed the U.S. Capitol. They broke a window to get in where they shouldn't have been. They were trying to disrupt a constitutional event. They were trying to hurt our government. They were threatening to murder the vice president and the speaker of the house. She got shot. Well, as sad as it is for somebody to die, she deserved to get shot. She broke the law. She knew what the deal was. She knew what she was doing, and she should have known that was a risk. But for some reason, these people didn't think there was any risk, and they were just going to do it. Were they just brainwashed by Donald Trump, or was there something else, some other reason why they thought they could get away with it? Was there help from the police? I don't know, but that shit's got to stop. If there's any further attempt at insurrection or a coup or whatever, it needs to be put down hard. And anytime somebody attacks this government, you have to understand the ultimate price is something you risk. If you're trying to hurt somebody, whether it be my house or my U.S. capital, you have to understand that you might get killed. Now, nobody wants to see that. And hopefully, once they understand that there's going to be a strong stand against these people, they won't be stupid enough to try to do it. Because we don't need another, another uh, version of January 6th happening again. I don't know if this country can even handle it at this point. So if it looks like it's even going to start, either through intelligence or, or the intelligence organization, they need to shut it down now. They need to start grabbing up these people. Donald Trump can't say seditious things. Michael Flynn can't say seditious things. He should be brought back into the service and court-martialed and maybe looked at doing jail time. Because, yes, it's just talk, and, yes, you have a First Amendment right. But your First Amendment right doesn't allow you to yell fire in a theater, nor does it allow you to call for people to commit a coup. There are limitations. And while you can say whatever you want to say, you also have to understand there's a price for some of the things you say. And it's time that those people pay the price. 
we're seeing insurrectionists who are now being arrested pleading out and says, yeah, I'll talk. Because once the ultimate punishment is in front of them, they aren't powerful anymore. They aren't indignant or ego-driven. They're given up and folded up and dying, and they will all do that. But we all have to, we have to put them all in a position where they are going to pay a price, and they know it. And if they still decide to do it, make them pay that price. It is absolutely crucial at this time. Otherwise, these people will continue. They, <laughs> they will have kids that continue, and their kids will have kids. This has to be stopped now. We are at war right now, and each one of you there are many people in this country that want to lay back and not say anything and stay out of it. Oh, I don't even want to think about that stuff. But here's what you need to understand. You have a right to speak out. Whether or not you think it's going to do anything does not matter. You're an individual. You're a taxpayer. You're a voter. You have a right to speak out. In fact, Franklin, Benjamin Franklin once said, and he's one of the founding fathers of this country, says, we have a duty to speak out against our government or against oppressors. So it's your duty. The more people that speak out, the more people that stand strong and do nothing more than that, the better off this country is going to be. And the better off we are going to be trying to shut down these insurgents, these insurrectionists, these terrorists. And that's what they are. We have a serious problem in this country. And I'm not fearful for myself. I'm fearful for my kids and my grandkids. Because things like this tend to multiply. We've got them on the run now. They're starting to wane, diminish some. So we need to keep that trend going in the same direction and keep putting the pressure on. Keep putting people in jail. Keep indicting people. And it doesn't matter if they're a former president or a former national security advisor or somebody on the TV news. People have to be held accountable for the things they say if it is in fact a danger to our democracy, to our government and our way of life. It seems pretty cut and dry, but people seem to be afraid of it. If you see something you don't like, say it. Yeah, it may not do any good, but then you're one of the crowd. People say that to me all the time. You come on the podcast, you come on uh, TikTok, and you say all these things. What good are you going to do? Well, me personally, nothing. But I'm taking a message. I'm taking a point of view or perception, and I'm putting it out there. People have the opportunity to hear it or not hear it. People have the opportunity to believe it or not believe it. But it's out there. And if one or two people take notice and maybe agree with it, they can feel stronger in the way they feel. And maybe they're more willing to speak out. And then they do the same thing. And then those people that hear them do the same thing. It's a matter of, of spreading the information, the real factual information and getting it out to as many people. So we don't have 70 million people that voted for Donald Trump. There isn't 70 million people that believe and back everything Donald Trump said or does. There's 70 million people that always voted Republican, and Donald Trump's a Republican, so that's what they voted for. When you face them and say, what about this, what about this, they're appalled. But they said, I don't like the Democrats because they're going to be socialist. you got to think deeper than this, guys. 
you got to get this mess cleared up, and then we'll deal with the Democrats and the problems they have, because trust me, they have plenty of problems. They're just as culpable for many things, but not for trying to destroy this country. That's what we're seeing from the Republicans and the Trumplicans. That's what we need to stop first. And once we show some power as a people and stop that, then we can look back, settle back, and say, okay, Democrats or whoever's in power at this point, we know what we can do now. We have the power, so now we're going to be looking at you. You're not going to get away with the same bullshit of paying off your rich benefactors. You're going to have to deal with us. You're going to have to take care of us like you're supposed to in your job description, for Christ's sake. So you see, we have to take this step by step, but we can't ignore what's going on with Trumplicans, insurrectionists, insurgents, terrorists, and those like in this country, because this is the most dangerous time we've experienced, short of the Civil War. It's not quite at the point where the Civil War, where there's going to be fighting and clashes on major levels, but there is going to be some violence potentially. And we need to stop that before it starts. We need to put these people down and their their entire strategy and, and mindset. Otherwise, we are in danger with this country. So the reason for the podcast is to try to get people to think about this as more of what it is. I think people say, oh, it's just politics. I don't want to hear about it. No, it's more than politics. It's a risk to this country. It's a risk to all of us and all of our kids and grandkids. We have to take notice of it, and we have to act. Even if it's in our own small way, we have to act, and we have to be strong about it. Otherwise, we're going to be paying for this for decades and decades, and it will change everything in this country. I'm going to try to do something a little softer, a little more lighter next time. But I thought this was important to talk about. I appreciate you spending the time with me. I hope you have a great week, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.